for today, and it's me. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love to kick this off because you know what? All summer long, I'm just standing before the Lord and saying, God, what do you have for the girls? What is it that we have this year? And it's always cool. I love that music, but you can go ahead and turn it off now. <laughs> um, I love that it seems like he drops a word or a phrase into my heart. And most of the time, this is how God works with me. Okay, God, got the word, got the phrase. What does it mean? It's like I don't have the full understanding of it. And he helps me unpack it. So um, it is, does anybody remember what last year's theme was? Two words. Anybody remember? Loving well, that's right. And we keep coming back to, how does God love us? He loves us well. How can we love others? How can we learn to love others well? Well, this year, somewhat similar, but this is the year of beloved. And I said, oh, oh. <laughs> some of you are going, oh. And as I talked to some people, it seemed like God had been downloading that as well. And so, okay, you're fine. So here's what, here's what God wanted me to share with you this morning. First of all, you are all impact women. Say, raise your hand. Say, I am an impact woman. And he downloaded this. What does that mean? Can we see it? Impact stands for, <laughs> we're waiting, I'm powerfully anointed in Christ today. Anybody in here like that? You are a woman of impact. I'm me. I am powerfully anointed in Christ today. Not gonna be. Not used to be. You are already anointed did you know that you're already anointed? Did you know that you don't need to pray for more anointing? What God says in 1 John 2.27 is that the anointing is the unction of the Holy One that already lives inside of you that you received from the Holy Spirit in that born-again experience. You have the Holy Spirit. But what we do, and it says that He abides permanently in you. So why would you pray for something you already have? But what do we do with it? There's another scripture, 2 Timothy 1.6. He says, that's why I would remind you to stir it up. Stir it up. And in the uh, Amplified, it says, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, that inner fire that is in you. Ladies, I want to build a fire under you this year. I want you to know that you are and a powerfully anointed woman of God with influence in your world, in your home, in your job, with your kids, in a marriage, in, out of a marriage, wherever you are in your life, God has placed you in this place to be built up, to fan the flames, and you are, and I'm gonna, we're going to have to say this all together now, say, I'm powerfully anointed in Christ today, today, today you are. So if you will receive that, I believe that God is going to minister that to you. So that's who we are. And where we're going is to discover this road of beloved. What does beloved look like? Why beloved? And I began to search it out in the scriptures. And the one scripture that leaped 
leapt off the page was found in Song of Solomon 6. You got, ooh, Song of Solomon. Okay. How many of you have read Song of Solomon? Like, that's your favorite one. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Some people think it's all about um, intimacy and marriage, and other people want to call it the spiritual symbolism and shadows and types. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think there's so many wonderful um, truths that come from it. But in um, Song of Solomon 6, verse 3, the woman says, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. Do you know that God says that to you? And you can say that to him. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. You know, the imagery and the romance in this book is quite amazing. And it might read like this. Your teeth are like stars. They come out at night. You have a soft heart and a head to match. Your eyes are like the sea. They make me sick. (laughs) Your ears are like flowers. Cauliflowers. (laughs) You thought I was serious. No, I'm just kidding. But there's a lot of symbolism. There's, there's fawns, there's pomegranates, and there's all kinds of fruit things that are describing <laughs> figs. There's a couple, and clusters, and grapes. And it all seems so intimate. But it is truly a picture of what beloved looks like. And I believe it's a beautiful story about God's pursuit of our hearts and his desire to pour out his love for us. And it is a way of him wooing us. Who doesn't like a little romance, girls? Don't we hunger for that? Yeah. Tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me I'm desirable. Let me know that you delight in me. Oh, that does so much for my heart. And it reminds us that God is wooing us and drawing us and lavishing his love on us. And he says he delights in us. And you know what? It's good for us to think on those things when we think about our God. Because if you think God is angry, he's disappointed, you have to perform to receive his affection or his approval... First of all, you're going to be very exhausted, and you will never be able to fill that bottomless pit of trying to perform for God. I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. And just recently, God illuminated, oh my goodness, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he illuminated for me that though my parents did not force it on us, hey, you have to behave because everybody's watching. Well, the truth was they were. You know, they didn't force it on us, but it was a reality in my life. I couldn't get away with much. It's a good thing I was a good girl. My brother took care of all the other mischief because he was well known for his mischievous uh, behavior. But uh, I realized that I always felt like I was living in a goldfish bowl. And maybe, maybe in, to an extent that you are when you're in leadership, but I didn't want to be feeling like, oh, I have to do everything right all the time. It's exhausting. And the good news is God's not asking that of us. Goodness gracious, girls, look around you. 
We are all sisters in the Lord. And you might say, oh my gosh, she's got it all together over there. I'll bet she doesn't have this problem that I have. But I guarantee you, we've all got our stuff. We've all got our stuff to walk through. Let's walk through it together. Does that sound good? All right, so we're looking at Song of Solomon. It is not a picture of a God who is disappointed, sitting in judgment, constantly reminding you of your failures, making you feel like I've got to do this right or I can't be right with God. He says, no, you are my beloved and I am yours. There are two Hebrew words here to, to form this word beloved. We're in the Old Testament, so it's going to be Old Testament um, Hebrew. And the first Hebrew word literally means to breathe or to long for. <sighs> Doesn't that sound like love to you? <laughs> and so it, that's really what it translates to, literally. But you know what? I think sometimes we spend so much time striving in our relationship, you know, that we feel like we're supposed to be longing and hungering after God. Yeah, but you know what? Let him stir that. Let him woo you. Let him draw you. But did you ever stop to ponder that God wants and longs for a relationship with you. More than, I can imagine, we want with him. And so think on that, that he is wooing and drawing and loving, not judging. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you then say, that is you, that is me. And the new freedom is found to receive that kind of love from that kind of God. How many of you have ever attended a Kairos here? Do you know what I'm talking about? Ooh, good. All right. Just to let you know, at uh, Res Life here, we have an amazing ministry called Freedom Ministries. And there's a couple different facets of that. One of them is that um, on Wednesday nights, you can attend some classes to build the foundation of, of our relationship, of learning how to become everything that God has created and designed us to be. But how many of you know, we can, sometimes we're our own worst enemies. You know, we, we're walking in lies. We want to expose the lies, receive the truth, because it's that kind of truth that truly sets us free. That's the whole foundation of freedom ministries, to be able to grow and walk in greater levels of freedom. And those classes are on Wednesday nights, and then we also have what we call topical classes, also on Wednesday nights, freedom from shame, free to hope, free um, to be who God has created me to be. Uh, they're a little bit more uh, topical in nature. And then we have twice a year an event called Kairos, and it really just literally means, it's a Greek word that means an appointed moment. And these are moments with God. And there's amazing worship with our amazing worship leader, Amy and her husband, Josh, oftentimes lead the worship for that, and Jana as well. And so during those times of intimate connection with God, we are opening our hearts and saying, God, speak to me. I want to hear. Can you show me some things that I'm ready and willing to have you renew and to change in me? It's all about transformation. We can give you good information here, and I hope we do. And I hope you will receive inspiration when we talk about the Word of God. But you know what my heart is? True transformation. And that's one of the things that has happened to me so many times at a Kairos when we set that time aside. And I have been a part of 11, no, excuse me, 12 Kairoses. And you would think, okay, got it all taken care of, right, God? Oh, no, there's another layer. He wants to pull back another layer. Sometimes I think he has to wait for us to be ready to hear it. 
And so we're just always on a journey, aren't we? We're always on a journey moving forward, allowing God to show us, listening, because he has good things to show you. And he showed me a picture at this last Kairos. And um, you'll know from me sharing, you'll learn very quickly, I see things in picture form almost like a monitor in my mind. And I call that my sanctified imagination. God gave it to us. Let's let him use it. Let's let him show us things. I'm very visual when it comes to that. And God uses that. I allow him to use that. But I, he showed me a picture. And it was a picture of some water just gushing and flowing, almost like the shower. But it was in this area here. It was like just pouring and rushing and gushing. And it was pleasant. And it was refreshing. And he showed me a picture of myself. And I would run into the water and enjoy it and stay and just kind of get all washed up and enjoy it. It wasn't too cold. It was just beautiful. It was refreshing. And then I would run out. And then I did it again. I'd say, just for a short time, oh, this is great, praise God. And then I'd run out. And I'm running in and out. And I'm going, God, what are you showing me? What, is, what, what, what do I need to know about this picture that you're showing me? And as I've already um, explained, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And my dad was wonderful. In fact, he's the one that sat our family down when I was probably about 12 years old. And he said, you know what? You're not going to get to heaven on my coattails. He said, you need to make this decision for yourself. Can you say with confidence that if you were to die tonight, that you know that you would go to heaven? As a 12-year-old girl, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have a point to come to and say, yes, I've asked Jesus into my heart, and I know that I know uh, because the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm saved. And I remember spending sleepless nights. I was pretty sure that if I died and had done something wrong, you know, and didn't confess it, that I was probably going to hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus already took our sin. It's not about that. It's that relationship. When you invite Jesus in, we pass from darkness to light from death to life, and he holds you in the palm of his hand. So I prayed that prayer with my dad. I thank God for my dad that did that for me. But, and he was very affectionate when I was young. You know, there were lots of hugs and kisses and tickles and fun with my dad. He was just very playful. But as I matured, I saw a change in the way that he was treating me. And it wasn't a bad thing, but it was a little bit puzzling to a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl. And I realized, oh, my dad's awkward with showing me affection. It's like he didn't really know how to show a young woman who was no longer this little girl, um, even though I was, I'll always be his little girl, um, you know, to, to just really express that kind of affection. And I noticed it, and I remember quite young making a decision and saying, that's okay, Dad. I understand. I know you love me. I was very secure in his love. It never made me wonder, does my dad love me? You know, have I done something wrong? I just kind of excused it. And I decided that I could be okay. I would just simply, you know, believe that he loves me. I didn't doubt his love for me. And yet I decided to make a move. And I decided, well, okay, if they're not going to make, you know, show me affection, I'm going to show them affection. And I made sure I kissed him goodnight every night when I was home 
and they weren't in bed yet. Anyway, that's another story. But back to the picture of the fountain. So God downloaded this truth to me. He said, here I am running in and out of the fountain, in and out of the fountain. And the fountain was God's love, his presence, what, how he wanted to um, have relationship with me. It was about intimacy. It was about him showing his love and affection for me. And here I was running in and out, running in and out. Because he, saw, he showed me that I had developed a pattern of limiting. And I was projecting the same excuses that I had given for my father on God. And said, that's enough. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I think I need a little bit more. Oh, that's enough. That's enough. I'm good. You can, go, you can lavish your love on somebody else who really needs it. I'm okay. And God said, no. He says, do not limit. I do not want to just give you a little bit of intimacy with me. I want to lavish this on you. I had settled for good enough, and God says, no, that's not good enough to me. He says, I want to give you so much more, but my container to receive it had grown very small. He says, let me expand it. Will you stay a while? Will you be a receiver of it? And don't tell me that you don't need it because you really do. <laughs> he says, I'm not a good enough God. That fountain had never stopped gushing, but I needed to stay and let it permeate, soak in, become so ingrained in the fabric of who I was because he wanted to bring me to a new level of understanding and intimacy in relationship with him, understanding his love for me. So I'm learning how to stay in the fountain. <laughs> and I get a little restless sometimes. Okay, God, go for it. Okay, oh, that's exactly what I need to stay in the fountain of his love. I love Ephesians 3.17. It says, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deeply in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, and that's you and that's me, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it. He, and Paul is saying, hey, start opening up your heart to begin to understand God's love. And then he says, oh, but well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's incomprehensible. You really can't. But go ahead and try because you're going to have a new experience that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. When you think you understand the love of God, can I say you really don't? Because there's so much more. He has so much more that he wants to give us. And he says that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. And you know what? I wasn't letting him fill all of me. My container was too small. But that sounds like a pretty large Container, And, you know, just when he starts pouring his love on you and you get filled up, I believe it's just going to keep coming and just keep overflowing. And we get to live in the overflow. We get to live in the overflow. Amen? 
So God was wooing me, tearing down that wall of excuse and saying to me, my love is unlimited for you. You have not yet experienced that to the fullness. I know no boundaries. My love is higher, it's wider, it's deeper, it's longer than you can even imagine. And in our little limitation of our thoughts, that's really, really hard to comprehend. But just let him show it to you. Will you trust him to show it to you? You know, talking about projecting, sometimes we project negative experiences and relationships unto God too. And see, when I, built, when, when I excused my dad, one of the things I was doing was building a wall of protection and saying, I'm going to lower my expectation, hide behind this wall, and I'm going to be okay because the other one didn't feel very good. And so sometimes we're hiding, we're keeping people at arm's length, and we're keeping God at arm's length because we feel like we need to protect ourselves. God's the protector of your heart. Will you let him in? Will you let him tear that wall down so you can experience a new level of love and relationship? It is all about relationship. And you know, I started out by um, sharing that um, this whole performance thing has been something that God was ministering to me too. You know, every once in a while, God's like tapping me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, it's not about performance. I love you. This is about you and me, girl. I can come to him and say, God, I am so frustrated. Oh, I don't know what to do in this situation. I can come to him and say, God, I'm really sorry, but I feel really dry right now. Are you here? Oh, there you are. <laughs> okay. God's not asking you to perform. He's not asking you to clean yourself up before you come to him. He says, just come. Just come. Let me love you just the way you are. Don't, you don't have to protect yourself with someone who loves you perfectly. People will fail us. People will reject us. People will betray us. They will. But let me just say, hook in to the unfailing never-ending, unlimited, knows no boundary, no holds barred love of God, and he will fill every empty place. When people fail, God never does. Amen? Amen. So embracing this belovedness. Here's the dictionary definition of beloved. Let's go on to another PowerPoint slide here. Beloved means a much-loved person, a sweetheart. I have to stop here. This summer, Amy and Josh and, and Jonah and um, Lucas were uh, with us when we sailed uh, up to Mackinac Island, and they joined us for a few days and then um, went on their way. But um, Amy was putting Jonah to bed in the boat, and we were all sitting outside um, chatting, and she came back. She goes, Mom, I think you're going to want to go in there and say goodnight to Jonah because he just called me his sweetheart. And she said, and Jonah said, and I want to tell Grandma that she's my sweetheart too. And don't you know, I didn't walk. I ran. Because Jonah, and I said, do you have something to tell me? He says, Grandma, you're my sweetheart. And I said, oh, Jonah, I love you. And what does that do for you? Oh, that's my grandbaby. 
But you know what? God calls you his sweetheart. Let that melt your heart. He calls you beloved. That means that you're his sweetheart, his darling, dear, precious, adored, cherished, treasured, prized, highly regarded, admired, esteemed, revered, and lovable. I threw that one in at the end. <laughs> you are worthy to be loved. And you know what? It's not because we do it all right. Oh, my goodness. We all got stuff. Okay, I got to tell this story on myself. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. Y'all know this place, but I had to use a bathroom at a gas station. And it's one of those gas stations that had just one big square room. You lock the door. You're in there by yourself. But there is, everything's automatic. So there's a toilet. And on the other side, there's a sink. And that's the one, too, that has that jet engine propelled hand dryer in there. Okay. They really should hand out ear protection because that is so loud. So, of course, I'm sitting on the throne doing my business. But before I was looking around, I'm going, oh, where am I going to put my purse? I didn't have any clean place. Well, I decided to just balance it on the edge of the sink. And so I go across the room, and I'm doing my business, and I have this bad habit of not closing my purse. So it's sitting on the edge of the sink wide open. My husband always tells me, you know, all you have to do is zip it. I go, I know, but there it is, sitting across the room, and it suddenly starts tipping and slow motion starts sliding into the sink with an automatic faucet that filled up my purse with water. <laughs> I try to remember to close my purse from now on. But I, it's like slow motion, and I'm, I'm busy. You know, I'm on the other end of the room. Ah, I can't get there. <laughs> hey, we've all got our moments. <laughs> we don't do it all right. But you're still lovable. And God wants to be the lover of your soul. Romans 9.25 says, Those who were not my people, I will still call them my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call my beloved. If you've been disappointed in relationships, if you've suffered at the hands of people's poor decisions, there's collateral damage in that. We don't deny it. Hearts are broken. It doesn't feel good. Whatever that situation may have been, God says, even if you're not beloved to someone else, you're still mine. I call you beloved. I call you a much-loved person, my sweetheart, my love, my darling, my dearest, precious, adored, treasured, treasured, cherished, prized, highly regarded, admired, and esteemed. That's who you are in God's eyes. That's the kind of relationship he wants. To me, that's intimate. This is Karen, just stop it. You don't have to impress me. Just remember, this is about us. And just remember, I love you just the way you are. Failures, mistakes, weaknesses, I don't have to hide them from him. He still loves me. And it never wavers because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. One other time in the Bible I wanted to point out that we hear about beloved. Here, Jesus is choosing to be baptized by his cousin, right? John the Baptist. And as John baptizes Jesus, the Spirit of God descended like a dove over him, and a voice from heaven, who was God the Father, the very one that Jesus says, I do nothing but what my Father shows me. I say nothing but what I hear from my Father. The Father and I are one. That's an intimate 
relationship that Jesus had. He says, as you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know the Father, you'll know me. So here it is, Jesus saying, uh, getting uh, baptized. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I delight. Jesus is God the Father's beloved Son. And what's interesting about this is immediately it says that after the baptism, Jesus was drawn into the wilderness for 40 days. And we know that he didn't eat or drink. Um, and he was also uh, tempted by the devil. Now, it's interesting to see what the devil, devil, the tempter, came to him and said. He said, if you are God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. And another time he says, if you are the son of God... Throw yourself down. Now, he kind of repeated what God the Father had just said to his son, but he left out one important word. What was missing? Beloved. The devil could not even probably say that word. Do you know that the devil does not want you to know that you are beloved? And he removed that. When he talked to Jesus, he removed the beloved and said, oh, well, if you're God's son. But God had said, you're my beloved son. And he says to you today, you are my beloved daughter in whom I delight and am well pleased. Will you receive that this morning? Because the devil doesn't want you to say that. And he will keep you so tied up in condemnation and guilt and shame. I'm not lovable. I'm broken. This happened to me, God. How could you possibly love me? He says, would you just stop? You're my sweetheart. I love you just the way you are. You don't have to be something for me. Just be who I created you to be, and I delight in you. So Jesus says to you and to me today, you are my beloved daughter in whom I delight. When my grandkids walk through that door, I am delighted. I can understand that delight. You know what? Multiply that by infinity, and that's how God sees you. You light up his life. <laughs> he loves you so much. So what is our capacity to receive? Can we embrace our identity? Say, I'm beloved. That's who I am. Because that's who God says I am, and that's how he sees me. But sometimes we have a hard time seeing that for ourselves. And what I'd like to do just for the next few moments, if you would just get comfortable and settle in. We're going to just quiet ourselves before God the Father. And we're just going to ask God to show us some things. I don't know if God has illuminated some things to you. You know, uh, he brings things to you.